Hi Global Consultants, David Thexton here from Consultex and welcome to this week's podcast, Everything Business Consulting, a weekly podcast all about business consulting where we talk about many different topics and interview really interesting people from our global network. If you want to be or are a business consultant, this is the podcast for you. Many people in our network ask about what type of business makes the best clients. Well, the answer is that any type of business can make a great client, as every business has the same DNA. What I mean is that every business works the same way. It has revenue, expenses, and if a good job is done by the owner, a surplus or a profit. So the objective of every business is to create an ongoing, predictable flow of transactions where the cost of the transactions is less than the prices that the goods or services are sold for, thus creating a surplus or a profit. Yet so many business owners have no idea of this very simple business principle, and they get all caught up in the euphoria of having a new business and doing things that lose money also loses their equity or liquidity as their business hurtles towards bankruptcy and they do not even know um, what's going on and they tend to blame everything on themselves and in some instances on external circumstances. You should know all about that by now because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So unless the owner has accurate monthly financials, he or she will have no idea what is working and what isn't working in their business. And you know that business owners are not stupid people because if they had access to accurate monthly reports and they knew they were losing, let's say, $20,000 a month, they'd be concerned and they would try to do something about it. But what's really happening is they're flying blind. I want to tell you about some of my clients of mine over the years when we lived in Australia and specifically drill down into their financial situation to show, to show you some of what you might expect to see out there in the marketplace. And I think you'll be surprised when you get out there just how bad things can get. So the first is a case history, we'll call it case history number one, and it was a sports supplement manufacturer and distributor. And for the purposes of this example, we'll call the business Apex Sports. Apex had been in business for about five years when I met the owner at a networking event. He actually had once owned a home water business in Sydney and had sold it some years before he started Apex. He had premises made up of a factory and a warehouse in an industrial area on the Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia. The business employed around about 35 people, 20 in production, and warehousing, 10 in sales, and 5 in administration. They made three brands, all fitting within three price levels, from cheap to expensive ingredients, and they packed in various types of packaging, from plastic tubs, um, small tablet um, pots, to bags for bulk products. These products were aimed at the sports-slash-bodybuilding market across the east coast of Australia, where most of the population is. When I first started with Apex, I asked to get the latest monthly reports, but the owner was unable to give them to me because, and I quote, we only have accounts at the end of the financial year. They actually had a full-time accountant, so I asked him if he could prepare some regular monthly accounts for me, and he said that he saw no reason for him to do this, and he only would do this if the owner instructed him to do so. 
So I went to the owner and explained to him the importance of having these monthly reports so we could manage the business better, and he agreed to instruct the account to do so. So every week in the weekly team meetings, I asked him how he was progressing and the answer was always the same, sometimes next week. Two months went by and still no accounts, so I arranged a meeting with the accountant, privately, and the owner, and I openly discussed that we needed those accounts so we could measure progress in the business. The accountant said he would do his very best to try for next week. Two more weeks had gone by, and this was now week 10, and the business plan was held up because we had so little financial information to work on to prepare forecasts. I arranged another meeting between the two of them and once again hollow promises from the accountant. I did get a draft set of year-to-date numbers in week 12, but they were in such a mess that they were completely useless to us. I had another private meeting with the owner and discussed that this situation it just wasn't acceptable for such a large business. Um, and I do need to add that the business was progressively finding it harder to pay its bills. I convinced the owner to let me work with the accountant and help him sort out the books and he agreed. So that was what I did. I had a weekly meeting with the accountant and I micromanaged what he needed to do. Well, usually we don't get into so much detail, but after a few weeks, the picture started to become clearer and we could start to see why they were losing so much money. So I'll summarise for you what I found. This wasn't everything. This is just the main points. The accounts receivable, or the debtors, were around 120 days overdue and the two ladies who were in control of the collections were not being managed properly, if at all. They had no targets and the whole process was very loose and inaccurate. The accounts payable, slash creditors, we call them down here, was around the same as the AR slash DR at 120 days and over half of the suppliers had the business on stock credit or cash with order. The payroll was in a mess and it was a full-time job for this employee, the payroll, the pay clerk, to keep on top of it. The systems were appalling. It took a few weeks to get the product costs and pricing system into a usable state for it to become useful. And what I found was that the margins across the product range of around 200 products ranged from a loss um, zero margin or a loss margin to a gross margin of around about 30%. The average across the whole product range was around 10%. But of course, uh, you need to be careful with averages because do you know if you put one of your feet in a bucket of boiling water and the other foot in a bucket of freezing water, on average you'll be okay? Yeah, right. I also discovered that there was no dual checks on banking and the business did take in quite a large amount of cash. Now, one thing I want to point out is that all of these things that I've just mentioned to you are relatively simple to put a process in place to fix it. But yet, most companies don't do that. Part of our system is that once you start to um, pull a business to part in pieces and look at each of the problems individually, it becomes very simple to actually find a solution for them and put the task in place. On the next uh, case history, I'll take you through uh, what was wrong and what the solutions were. But to carry on with this business, so everything was in a mess and it took me a lot longer to tidy up the financial side of the business before we could move forward in the usual manner. 
um, at around 16 weeks, which is a long time. And this is because of the extra work that I had to had to do. And by the way, I charged a lot more for those weeks than what we would normally charge because it was it was basically a rescue situation. In most cases, you can see plainly what needs to be done. You do not need to be an Einstein. You just have to be persistent and accurate. You all know what's right and what's wrong, and it's your job to set the tasks on what has to be done and to make sure that the tasks are completed on time and the challenges will then start to disappear. But slowly, each meeting got better and better and the quality of the information improved and we were able to make some smart decisions. Like... How about not selling products for zero margin and things like that? Or how about not being a bank to our customers? By the way, the profit leakage in the diagnostic was $1 million on a business with an annual revenue of $6 million. So that we were playing for a lot of money there. There's a lot going on. The owners scoffed at the profit leakage initially, but soon came around to agree uh, once he could see the huge chunks of money that we were finding and we were working as a team. The reason I tell you this story is because there seems to be a huge amount of wrongs to right in nearly every business. And the financial areas are usually what we should be working on at the onset. You'll encounter resistance in your quest to make changes. In some cases, you'll have to remove an employee if they will not assist you to improve the profit growth and value of your client's business. Have you ever thought about using your past business or corporate experience to help others in business by becoming a business consultant, coach, or advisor? If so, there's an opportunity to enter the world of business consulting with a complete system ready for you to run with called ConsultX. If you're a business consultant, coach, or advisor, or interested in becoming one, then you should check out ConsultX. ConsultX is an online consulting program that helps an engaged community of like-minded people. So all the training tools and support that you need to become a successful business consultant are ready for you when and how you want to consume them all in one place. Find out more now by visiting consultx.com slash fire. That's consultx.com slash fire. You can also check out their podcast, Everything Business Consulting, to help you get started. Case history number two, car broker business. We will call this business Friendly Car Brokers. Jim and Simon both worked in a Nissan dealership in Brisbane selling cars and they were actually quite good at it. They decided to go out on their own with no business training, just the knowledge they gained from selling cars. They chose the car broking model due to the low cost of operating such a business and the belief that there was a market out there for them to get. A car broking business works like this. They get clients who give them an order for a particular type of vehicle and a budget. They then scour the east coast of Australia to find such a vehicle. They then work between the buyer and the seller to arrange a deal where they can make a profit taking into consideration any repair work that needs to be done to bring the vehicle up to a reasonable standard. Um, I knew nothing of this business when I started working with this client and I was astounded at the number of customers that they were able to get for the business and um, that the business actually existed at all as I said. I met the owners at a networking meeting. In fact, it was after a 45-minute presentation that I gave to the group. When I finished, three people asked for my card, and all of them became clients. Uh, that's why it's very important for you to talk at seminars and conferences and things like that. 
Anyway, like all consulting relationships, I asked him for a set of year-to-date and monthly accounts, and this met with a blank stare. It seemed that most of the market has been trained by accountants to accept annual accounts at around three to six months after the end of the financial year. So they had nothing of much use, um, as the last set of accounts was two years old. So we started working through the business re-engineering slash planning process, and at the same time, I was working on getting some accurate accounts going. One thing we did know in the first few weeks was that the business was running or had run out of cash liquidity um, with the accounts payable um, creditors getting older and older. You could actually see it every month getting worse. So they were losing big gobs of cash. I'll summarize next what we found and then I'll tell you straight after that what we did to fix it. So no monthly accounts. Well, I visited their accountant and he told me that he was not prepared to produce monthly accounts. So I fired him and gave the account to my accountant um, in my PSG group, professional services group, who sorted out the books and also discovered that the previous accountant had made a huge mistake causing my clients to pay a $180,000 tax bill the year before. Now this was refunded because the numbers were all wrong and that in fact made about a $150,000 loss. So I also have to say, Robert, at this point, this is not this is not the first time that I've caused this to be discovered. I found it three other times in three other clients where exactly the same thing happened. Second um, issue was they had no internal systems for the salespeople to cost up an order properly. So I put in place a simple job sheet for each order using Excel, which had formulas that calculated the target of margins so the sales reps could not alter the target GP percentage and the sheet also contained the RICO costs, that's reconditioning costs, so that the total cost was used to calculate the final sales price. When I eventually got some numbers together for how they were running the business, uh, I noticed that um, when you printed out the last say two or three months worth of sales, half of the sales they lost money on, half, 50%. It was just, it was just incredibly bad. So. So we sorted that out, and there was a bit of a um, bordering on a mutiny because there was eight people in the sales department, and, um, and once I explained to them what was going on, they reluctantly agreed to it, and uh, and they put the system in place. It took, just by the way, it took about a month to two months to flush all the old deals out of the system and to actually start having profitable deals. Okay, the next one, there was no control on the cost to recondition the vehicles. Um, so myself and the team put together a list of support suppliers to do all of the RICO work and we negotiated a discount for their services but more importantly I wanted to get the suppliers down to a smaller number and I wanted to get real accuracy on what it was costing to RICO these vehicles like just give you an example you might buy a a, um, a Holden Commodore it's an Australian vehicle and pay $20,000 for it um, and then when they bring it back to the the base the head office um, it needs to have $3,000 spent on it so they'd spend the $3,000 and they might even spend another $1,000 and all of a sudden the margin between what they paid for the vehicle and what it cost them was getting smaller and smaller until there was nothing left in over half the cases as I mentioned. So yes, once the salespeople um, understood the principle of that, or everybody understood it, then, then we started to make money. 
There was no proper control on paying for the cars and collecting the money. Now these are big sales. These are 20, 30, 40, 50, $60,000. So we really tightened up on making sure that the money was collected before the car was taken. Now, we also instituted a deposit system before we started work on the search. And this improved the cash flow, which flowed through to the accounts payable. And once again, this was relatively quick, probably two to three months to see a turnaround um, and pulled back the, um, the AR and pulled back the, uh, the other one as well, um, AP. Accounts receivable, accounts payable. We don't call it that down in New Zealand and Australia. We call them debtors and creditors. Okay, next one, no stock control, with stock ballooning out of control and losing cars at month-end stock take. Well, a car's a pretty big thing, but they had a big warehouse. It was about probably half the size of a football field, um, and and there was never any care taken in, in doing a stock take, and some vehicles, they'd lose them for two months and they'd miraculously appear. So I taught the team how to properly stock take um, by doing a, a, a two-person system, separately counting and recording, and then a third person actually going through both of those, um, both of the stock take sheets, uh, and if there was a discrepancy, um, going out and, um, and looking for it. So they never finished a month until they had a, a, a clear sign-off. Um, stock ballooning out of control, um, that was another situation where where they would buy a vehicle if, if any one of the two owners and or any one of the eight reps thought that a vehicle or came across a vehicle that they thought was a particularly good buy price, they would buy it for stock. But nobody nobody approved it and they go and spend twenty thousand dollars for whatever the car was uh, and uh, they would bring it in and put it into stock and sometimes they'd sit there for six months and then somebody would get around and they'd sell the thing off for cost so there was too much of that going on as well there was no control on the sales employees who worked on their own timetable they came in and came out whenever they wanted they spent half their time around the coffee machine it was very, very uh, poor employee control. So I tightened up on the salespeople. I drew up employment contracts. They never had any. And I taught the sales manager how to properly manage them. And he had no idea at all. And once again, we, uh, just like all big changes like this, it was virtually a mutiny and everything. And I think even one person left. But it didn't matter because we got somebody else a week later. But once we got them working 100% and we set out what the rules and the conditions of employment were, then things started to uh, improve in that area. Other area was marketing expenditure was being spent in the worst area, worst area of return. There was no um, test and measure on this at all. Nothing at all. And um, so we worked as a team in our, in our team meetings to measure what worked the best and then we channeled all our marketing in that area. Fantastic, work wonders. And of course, like most businesses, they had no business plan. So we built the business plan. It took 12 weeks due to the mess the business was in, but it was a great exercise for all concerned and everybody, um, because it was only a small company, I think everybody was on the, on the team. Um, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, yeah, everybody was on the team. Uh, and so everybody knew what was going on and they all supported it. Now, this business took around six months to turn around, and what we did was really simple. It was a simple number of fixes. And it's not very often that the work we do gets much more complicated than this example than the previous example. It's just that nobody does it. 
Nobody knows what to do, and nobody does it. These are not complicated steps that we've gone through. Financially, the result was spectacular, I have to say, and I estimate that before I came along, they were losing around half a million a year and would not have survived for very much longer, possibly another three or four months. This was a $20 million business, and the profit leakage was showing at $1 million. I knew this was wrong um, because it was a struggle to get them to rank their business honestly. So the profit leakage was actually around about 5%, which is really at the low end. It actually turned out a year later to be around $1.2 million, with results continuing to improve every month. And once we slash they knew and understood the formula, then they could manage most of it themselves. And my input actually turned into marketing the business to improve sales. So once we got all the internal stuff going properly, we had cash management, we had stock management, all of these sorts of things. And I put in systems, which are very easy to put in. Then we turned to improving the sales and our target was to go from 20 to $40 million in three years. Um, but I never got to, to stay that long with them um, because we actually returned back to New Zealand uh, and, um, um, and, and we moved back here completely. So they're actually up to annualising at about $24 million when I when we left to come back here. Well, I hope you've enjoyed these two examples. They're quite typical of the mess that most businesses are in and it only takes a sensible approach like we've discussed to turn them around as most businesses have a bucket load of cash being lost to profit leakage and all it takes is someone like you to take the lead and make things happen. If you're a business consultant, coach, or advisor, or interested in becoming one, then you should check out the Consult X Business Success Program. Find out more today by visiting consultx.com slash fire, and be sure to subscribe to their podcast, Everything Business Consulting.